Somebody make a joke. I'm watching the Pro Bowl skills competition right now. <laughs> it's on ESPN. That's your, that's your joke? Yeah. It is a joke, but it's on ESPN. I, I saw think, that. I think they're going to play dodgeball. Hello, and welcome to the CSR. I didn't say I was ready, but I, I am ready. So. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the CSR podcast. This is Brian Beversluis, joined by John DeLong and Brad Smith. How are you guys doing tonight? Pretty good. That was that was pretty sneaky, Brad. I didn't even notice that you didn't say anything. <laughs> you guys are both ready to talk. I'm yeah. I'm always I'm always ready to talk. I'll tell you that yeah. much. Apparently, I, I missed Brad and did not allow him to confirm that he was ready to talk, so just want to make sure. Brad, are you ready? Are you good? Yeah. Yeah, you I'm ready. ready go? Let's go. You sure? You sure? Sure. Okay. I'm sure. Okay, so we'll start off the podcast with the uh, relevant Panthers news of the last few weeks. Um, I guess the number one thing we can really talk about is uh, Steve Wilkes is going to go off to be Arizona, the Arizona Cardinals head coach. And Eric Washington, the longtime defensive line coach for the Panthers, is going to step up and be the defensive coordinator for Carolina. Once again, continuing this trend of just promoting from within and using the guys that you know. So what do you guys think of that? John, I'll start with you. What do you think of Eric Washington as the defensive coordinator for Carolina next year? I don't really know what to think. I, it's, it's, I guess it's a little sad since uh, Wilkes go so quickly. Um, the defense, I don't think was as good as it was supposed to be, particularly, um, down the stretch. Uh, but I liked, I liked the mindset. I liked the aggressive nature of his defense. So I don't know. I have no idea what to expect from Eric Washington. So I just kind of hope he carries that torch the same way that, uh, Wilkes did and just stays aggressive after that. Then us go back to just sitting in cover three shells. Um and hoping to bell, uh, buckle down in the red zone to win games. That's a fair point. I mean, Steve Wilkes' defense was built around blitzing a whole lot, and uh, it worked sometimes. Other times we got shredded. I mean, we saw that with the Saints' defense, or the Saints' offense, I should say, um, three times. So <laughs> there, there's, a cert- there's definitely pros and cons to the conservative four-man rush mentality and the heavy blitz mentality. Thankfully, Eric Washington was around for both of those things, so maybe he can make something work that kind of finds its way in the media of those things. But anyway, Brad, what are your thoughts on the new defensive coordinator of Carolina? John pretty much covered it. Um, You know, I I like the continuity. I I like that we continue to, to promote assistance up to the the coordinator position. I mean, it's mostly Ron Rivera's defense anyway. So 
I don't think we'll see too much of a difference. Um, but I do kind of hate that we're losing our defensive coordinator for the second year in a row. It, it kind of sucks. I, w- I want to I want to point out that continuity on the defensive side of the ball is fine because we've been good defensively for the last few years. Um, that's not a general endorsement of continuity. Like on the offensive side, I think after getting rid of Shula, continuity was the last thing we wanted, even though that's pretty much what we got. Yeah, so we'll get we'll get we'll get into that part. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually I do like Eric Washington being the defensive coordinator simply because he was around for the Sean McDermott and the uh, Steve Wilkes defenses. He was even around for the Ron Meeks defenses. Um, John, I know you're around where you're discussing. <laughs> we we completely forgot who the defensive coordinator was <laughs> in Carolina before. Uh, Sean McDermott, but yeah, like he's been through so many iterations of the Carolina's defense that I think he's going to do a good job of molding what Carolina does well into his game plan. And as you said, Brad, Ron Rivera is a defensive coach. So it's not like he's just going to be out there making up shit on his own. He's going to have some help, obviously. So I do like Steve. I do like Washington being the, uh, defensive coordinator especially since he's got a heavy emphasis on defensive line something that Carolina really needs to invest in and make better for the future so I'm happy with it I certainly am um the offensive side of the ball I'm not so sure about yet um that said North Turner came out and gave a lot of his analysis of Carolina's offensive weaknesses and strengths and it was funny to hear him say that he like he wasn't outright talking down the Panthers receiving core, but he essentially made it sound like the receivers need to get open for Cam Newton, which is something we don't really hear from like the the top analysts, quote unquote, as you will. It's it's always been Cam Newton's fault, but Norv Turner comes in and he's saying that he can make stuff work with Cam Newton and they need to get better receivers on the field or at least receivers who can get open on the field. So I'll start with you on that, Brad. What do you think of the, the recent quotes with Norv Turner as far as the offense goes? You know, at first I hated it. I hated that we hired him, but he's actually making me like it. Um, because, like you said, he, you don't hear very often that, that Cam needs help from his wide receivers. You know, most of the time everybody wants to say – Cam can't connect. Cam can't be accurate. Cam can't do this. Cam can't do that. It's nice to hear an offensive coordinator, you know, point out that there are flaws at the wide receiver position. And I'm, I'm hopeful that that means we will fix those problems because, you know, it's one thing to say, yeah, you need guys who can get open downfield, but it's a completely different thing to say that and then actually do something about it when you have the draft capital to do so. So I'm kind of halfway excited, even though I wasn't when the, the hire was announced. Yeah, he, right. he's definitely saying all the right things. Um, was it was it Bill Voth that was um, trying to like bait him into saying Cam Newton's not accurate enough? Yes, it was. And, and Norv just kept saying Cam's good. He needs receivers that can get open for him, and he needs – and it was just not – he didn't have the opportunities to, to complete passes, basically. 
Um, so good for Norv. Clearly, he's got that that media savvy still. Um, but I haven't heard anything from him really that uh, concerns me. I think he said all the right things. Ron Rivera, on the other hand, is saying things I don't like, but Norv is saying all the right things. The thing that I like about Norv is that he's behind his quarterback, and he hasn't even mm-hmm. coached him yet. Like he's he's got his quarterback's back, and like yeah. not to say Mike Shula didn't, but Mike Shula was very much of the mindset of like we have what we need to have to make this work. We just need to execute. And Norv Turner seems to say they're not executing the right way in order for Cam Newton to be successful. And he's and what correct. I really like, yeah, exactly. And what I really like about this specific setup is that Norv Turner was the essentially mentor for Rob Chinzinski. And when Rob Chinzinski came to Carolina, Cam Newton had his best passing years. I mean, granted, the defense sucked those years and they couldn't win more than 70 games. But it was a it was an offense where Cam Newton succeeded. He did really well. And I think Norv Turner will introduce that. And we now have the defense to back that kind of thing up where they can really push the ball down the field and capitalize on what Cam Newton does well. It's just a matter of what I'm concerned about most is the issues with, there were issues in Minnesota with Norv Turner essentially being stubborn about the offense he was running. I want to see a little flexibility, like, cause Cam Newton is obviously at his best when he can run the ball a little bit. So that said, I'm pretty optimistic based on what I've heard about what Norv Turner is saying. Essentially, it seems to, he seems to recognize that Cam Newton's pretty good at the quarterback position, but you need to get the tools around him for him to be successful. People forget that when Rob Chudzinski was our offensive coordinator those two years, our offense was much better than in any of the years after Chudzinski left. Um, people, I think, kind of conflated the ideas of our offense being run by Rob Chudzinski and our defense struggling. I think people thought the offense somehow was making the defense play worse. Um, that definitely was not the case because as something we'll touch on later, that's one of those things that doesn't actually happen. It's one of those things that people think happens, but it doesn't. Um, so I think, I think we kind of forgot how good we had it when Rob Chudzinski was our offensive coordinator. And hopefully Norv, Jids- Norv Turner is more like Rob Chudzinski than Mike Shula. Cause if he is, then I think the Panthers are a very dangerous team next year. Especially if if Marty Herney or whoever's the GM uh, goes out and gets some more speed and guys that can catch the ball um, when there's a defender within arm's length. Well, that's a great segue into our next bit in the podcast. You did it yourself, despite the fact that it was your own piece, but we're not going <laughs> to touch on that. Um, so John wrote a really good piece this oh, past thanks, week. Brian on don't inflate your head too much um on how the whole running the ball to win the game and playing good rushing defense to win the game mindset in the nfl is wrong and he did the research to back it up and it seems like that particular mindset may benefit carolina so John, why don't you outline a little bit? You don't have to go through the whole thing. The article is obviously on Cat Scratch Reader right now. Um, but give us the a little bit of the cliff notes, if you will, of what your I will, argument is. 
I'll also add some stuff that didn't make the uh, that ended up on the cutting room floor. Um, basically, the general idea is that the reason you know, like success running the ball and stopping the run doesn't matter is because running the ball on its own is not an effective way to move the ball. Like I said in the piece, the most common yardage like result of a run play is a two yard gain. So no matter how good or bad you are at running the ball, eventually you're it's it's not gonna go so anywhere. You're gonna run the ball and you're gonna get stuffed and you're gonna be put in a situation where you have to pass. There's no way to avoid passing the ball and that's why passing being able to pass and stop the pass is what's more important. Now, one of those things to go deeper into it, which in which is how this is different than the next article, is that there's the reason there's such a direct effect on passing and winning is that teams that can pass the ball well have more sustained drives, and teams that have more sustained drives score more points. And it's the same thing on the defensive side. If you can stop teams from the ball, they can't sustain drives, and they score fewer points. There's no ties between running the ball well and sustaining drives because, like I said, at some point, running the ball, you know, it's it's just going to not work. It's just – it's not a – you don't get enough big plays out of it. So that's why there's that – and I left out the, the, the piece because I didn't want to get into, like – I didn't want to have a pick, like, 15 um, spreadsheets. And then the, the graphs that I had made were from, like, halfway through the season. So I had to update them, and I just felt like I just would share the general idea. But basically, you can find kind of like the uh, path into how throwing the ball correlates with winning, unlike what we're going to talk about next week. Should I talk about that too? Sure. Go ahead. Next week is about time of possession, and if time of possession helps you win games. I think if you read my piece this this past week on – my ideas of running the ball and how it doesn't matter. I think you have a probably have a pretty good idea of where I'm going with the time of possession and whether or not it matters in winning games. And I'll tell you the answer you're probably that you're thinking is probably correct, but there are some uh, twists and turns that are unexpected. Um, what kind of twists and turns? Well, basically things appear. The answer appears to be that coaches are correct. But a little deeper digging will show that uh, I think it's it's one of those things where there's a correlation, but it's not a causation. And I can explain why, and I'll explain why next week when I write the whole thing. But uh, it's 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 interesting stuff, and it's just it's more of things not mattering that coaches think are keys to success. It's especially interesting because the two things you you touched base on were running the ball effectively and time of possession, which were mm-hmm. two key staples to the Carolina offense over the last how many years now? Two, three, four years? I think, so, yeah, it's been, what, five with Shula? Uh, not quite. Well, yeah, no, five. It's yeah, that, this seven. Was, 2018 and... would be the fifth year anniversary. That would be correct. So, damn, it's been that long with Mike Shula? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, how do we do it? Yeah, that was Uh-oh. that were the key staples. You, they were always top in time possession. They were always top in running the ball, no matter how good they were. So, yeah. And look at how look at how good our offenses were. Um, look at how, and a lot of this came up in the comment section. Where like, yeah, it works. Like the Patriots do it, and I'm like, yeah, the Patriots are the one team that embraced this. And look at how good they've been over the last decade and a half. 
Like, there's a reason for that. Part of it, yeah, is Tom Brady's Tom Brady and stuff. But Bill oh, Belichick's Brady. <laughs> Tom Brady's Tom Brady, but Bill Belichick is a super genius, or is considered a super genius. And this is one of the things that he's kind of uh, built his ideals around. I think there was when he was a defensive coordinator for like the Giants or something in the Super Bowl a long, long time ago. He said like, "Hey, let the other running back get 100 yards." Like he back in the 90s, he was aware of this this fact. So it's just uh, it's time to embrace change. And hopefully, North Turner sees it and is like, "Hey, this guy's got a point." He certainly seems to be embracing the uh, the passing part aspect of it. So good. We'll definitely see there. Um, the other the other thing I want to say I didn't talk about in the article. Um, we talked about it here before. It makes no sense when your quarterback is your best player and you try to uh, de-emphasize him as much as possible in your offense. Would you Would you agree with that? I mean, I would agree to an extent, but at the same time, this is the classic issues with Cam Newton accuracy problems, which can also boil down to the protection issues. So there's a lot of variables that factor into that, but I, I don't necessarily disagree with you in that aspect because Cam Newton is a very good player. He's a he's a once-in-a-generation type guy, so building your offense around him is not a bad thing. Like instead of de-emphasizing him by running the ball more than you throw it. Definitely. I agree. It's, you would think that with a guy like him, even at this point, this point in his career, he could still be that 2015 MVP caliber player where he's just dominating the entire league. With the right mindset would be. players. But instead um, we want to spend, we want half our plays to be uh, two yard carries to Jonathan Stewart. Well, of course. <laughs> Got to control Gotta that clock. Got to control what? that clock. Doesn't matter if uh, you, the other team is getting just as many opportunities to score as you. You got to you gotta make your opportunities to score take longer. What I'm optimistic for, and we'll probably get into this later as the draft goes on and free agency goes on, but what I'm optimistic for in this offseason is another emphasis on the offense. The Panthers yes. made a heavy investment on the offense with Christian McCaffrey and uh, Curtis Samuel back-to-back. Introduced a lot of speed to the offense. And Curt- and uh, Christian Sa- Christian McCaffrey did really well and definitely showed well in his first year, especially with the heavy involvement in the offense as far as being a receiver and a runner went. Not many rookies get that much thrown on their plate. Meanwhile, Curtis Samuel just as he was getting to be good and had finally adjusted his role, got hurt. And uh, that was that, that sucked to see. And I hope Carolina invests in more players, but at the same time gives Curtis Samuel some opportunities to really thrive because he, he showed some potential. And Brad, segueing into our next bit here, uh, I know you got a chance to talk to Curtis Samuel. And uh, why, don't you, why don't you tell us about a little bit what he had to say about his rookie season and his time with the Panthers so far. You are correct. I did get the opportunity to talk to Curtis Samuel. Um, Just a little bit of context about how I got that conversation to happen. Um, His, I guess it's his agent or his, the agency that represents him. They emailed me 
and they said, you know, Curtis Samuel is going to be signing uh, his rookie cards at the um, NFLPA, um, whatever it is, college all-star game. Not the Shrine Bowl, but the other one, the one that came on at the same time as the Shrine game, the one that nobody watches. Um, (laughs) uh, It was in Pasadena at, at the Rose Bowl, and they said, you know, he's got, you know, an hour or two hours of media availability. Would you like to schedule 15 minute conversation? And I'm like, you know, yeah, sure. Um, so I call him and I call, they call me, I set up and we talk and, uh, he's a very well-spoken kid. Uh, and I can call him a kid cause I'm old and he's not, um, like 21 but, years old. Yeah. But to he's, me, that's he a, kid. Is a kid. Yeah. He's a kid to me. Um, but you know, very well spoken. Um, I asked him how his ankle surgery was going. He said it was going well. He's getting stronger by the day. He's looking forward to getting back on the field. Um, he's a big fan of Cam Newton. Um, you know, for some reason, his nickname on the team is Whoopie Cushion. Uh, he said he <laughs> didn't know why of course Cam it called is. him Whoopie Cushion, but. I didn't say this to him because I didn't want to offend him and I didn't want him to hang up on me, but we all know that he apparently farted in the film room at some point. Cause you don't just call somebody whoopee cushion for no reason. <laughs> um, you know, that that's a, that's a specific nickname and he just didn't want to admit it. He can say that that's not the truth, but we all know it is Curtis. That's some um, good deductive reasoning on your part. Yeah. Um, one of the hard questions I asked him, Excuse me. I asked him when he what was the hardest adjustment they had to make coming in from college, and he said it was actually playing wide receiver the way that the Panthers want him to play. Um, because when he was at Ohio State, he was more of a basically what Christian McCaffrey was in our offense. He lined up all over the field, and uh, he said it took him some time to adjust to playing on the outside. And I think we saw that on film. You know, I haven't watched the the season back over again yet because I don't hate myself. Um but you know at some point in the offseason I will probably rewatch, you know, on Game Pass all the games. But you could see that right around the time that he got hurt and, and ended his season, he was starting to to quote unquote get it. Uh and his one of his better games was that Monday night game against Miami. And I think that going into his second year, now that he has the position down, uh, I think North Turner is going to be able to find a way to use him effectively on the outside. I don't think that wide receiver is as desperate of a need as some people say. I do think we need a guy in the first two or three rounds, but I don't think we have to trade up to the top 12 to get a wide receiver like some people do. Um, He is excited about working with North Turner. He um, he also said that one of his underrated things about his game is that he's a he is a good separator, uh, which is something that we need, and he is a good blocker for a wide receiver. Um, and he agreed with John. He said that catching a football is a natural ability. Uh, he also said that it is something that you can be taught in certain situations. You can be taught how to catch, you know, different, um, but it is a natural gift that you're born with. And he also corrected Brian and said that a hot dog is not a sandwich. So I refuse to accept that. My well, what was his what was his reaction when you actually asked that question? 
he laughed for probably about 20 seconds. <laughs> He's only... like, hey, stop laughing. I got a limited amount of time here. Answer the question, yeah, please. The, the only time he laughed more than that question was when I asked him what Cam's nickname was. And because <laughs> my question, pull it back up. My question was as verbatim, speaking of fun, Cam likes to give everybody on the team nicknames. What's his nickname for you? And when I got out the word nicknames the first time, he started laughing. And he didn't stop for a solid 30 seconds, 45 seconds before he started answering the question. So apparently the whole whoopee cushion thing is a big inside joke with the team. Um <laughs> Because he said his other nickname was Kirko, which he said made no sense. But Cam, you know, Cam is Cam. Um, but yeah, he he was he enjoyed the hot dog sandwich question, and he he said, and I quote, "I don't call a hot dog a sandwich; it is a hot dog." Brian, <laughs> he, it is not he a said sandwich. Brian. He did say he, he said, said Brian. Brian. I need elaboration <laughs> on his on his part for that question because that wasn't enough information for me. Did you did you tweet at him about that? I did. He never responded. He doesn't Shocking. use Twitter. He's he's yeah, only he used doesn't. Twitter like twice or something like that. He tweets about college for the most part and that's about it. I I I am always under the assumption that the majority of athletes have other people on their Twitter accounts, especially the ones whose Twitter account is like nothing but shared like articles and stuff like that. Yeah, they, they have a PR like, person. Yeah, where they just say, like, hey, come see me at this place. Hey, come see this person at this place. Like, I just assume those people are all just PR accounts running that, or PR firms running that uh, account. Hey, Brian, I have a new question for you uh, when you're done asking people about hot dogs. I mean, I'm done, so. Uh, does a straw have one hole or two? Oh my god. Oh, that's no... a good question. <laughs> Dude, I had this question. So I have like a little group chat set up because it, it mainly stemmed from the hot dog debate, but it's mm-hmm. slowly just degraded into more questions like that. And yeah. that one that one went went real far down the rabbit hole. <laughs> um Essentially my my thought on that was if a hole in the wall is a hole like when you see a hole in the wall with the plaster if that's considered what we call a hole then the straw is just one hole <laughs> but man that that was a loaded question <laughs> like oh my god once you start asking about hot dogs you just get all sorts of different questions i, I saw i saw I, I heard that question i'm like that's a question for brian since Brian likes these philosoph he likes to be he's a modern day philosopher. He likes these things. I thought I had to ask it on the show. You know, it, originally I did, but I kind of hate it now because I get asked these like really difficult questions about very small and ultimately unimportant things <laughs> and I have to come up with an answer. You, and you developed your brand, you have to you have to live with it now. My brand is is hell is what it is. My brand <laughs> is hell. Unless you brought it on yourself. One thing I think that we can all agree on, and I I know Brian and I agree on this, and I want to clarify this for anyone listening to this podcast. A hot dog is not a taco, okay? 
Agreed. It's not a taco. End of story. That's, Walker it's is not. big on that one, isn't he? Walker it, is big on that, and Walker is wrong. It is not a taco. If you think a hot dog is a is a fluffy American taco, then guess what? You're a fluffy American taco. That's all I have to say about that. And it's not a sandwich either. We, I thought we agreed to just to just like put our differences aside <laughs> about the taco thing. That's probably a good idea before everybody turns off the show. It's like, oh boy, here they go again. I'm just gonna go listen to something else. I mean, we if if our listeners would like it, we could totally have an episode just debating hot dogs. <laughs> But that, that's a question for for our listeners that John can certainly throw on to the post. Yeah. Because if they want it, I am certainly down to throw down for an hour and a half about whether a hot dog is a sandwich or not. I have plenty of material. When, when you listen to this podcast, you will most likely listen to it by clicking the link on Cat Scratch Reader on the article that John writes for tomorrow morning sometime. Please, in the comments section comment would you rather would you like for us to debate whether or not a hot dog is a sandwich and if you want us to do it we'll do it we'll get gina to come on as a guest because i know she has a strong opinion about this too don't Um, you dare stack the deck against me because i she 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 agrees with you i'd be two on one that is irrelevant i'm not saying that because she agrees with me i just know that she has the opinion on the matter. And if you want, we can invite Walker onto the show and we can all prove him wrong that a hot dog is not a taco. I can get on with that. That's fine. Cause it's not a taco. Like I would, and I'm not conceding defeat, but I would agree that it is a sandwich before I would agree that it is a taco. So essentially you'd have the, the hard left the medium and the hard right on this conversation in this podcast is what you're saying. Yes. But it is not a sandwich. It is not a taco. It is a hot dog. When you don't have the hot dog frankenfurter on any kind of bread or any other substance, it is just a frankenfurter or a frank. When you put it in the bread, it becomes the hot dog. It's not a sandwich. And it's not a taco. other suggestions of things we can talk about. Also, yeah. you could leave those in the comments because we're clearly grasping at straws we're grasping right now. Grasping at straws because we're about to fight over does a straw <laughs> have one hole or two? Like that's going to be our next thing. So, if you want us to talk about something, please just suggest it, and we'll do it within yes, reason. Any, <laughs> even without, a, maybe even out of reason, depending on how far out of reason it is. Maybe even we'll go out of that. So yeah, we won't we won't get too far into the debate right now. We'll wait for your suggestions. But yeah, I actually I actually like the idea of just going with the suggestion box here. So whatever you guys want us to fight about slash discuss, um, we're totally down to do that. We'll have our we're gonna try it like like we said in the past. We're gonna try to have this podcast every two weeks or so. So we'll have a segment dedicated to just what the commenters like wanted us to talk about. And uh, if you see a subject in the comments that you really want to see us talk about, throw a wreck on it. 
And if the whatever one is the highest recommended comment, or even if it's just one comment and there's no recs on it and there's nothing else, we'll discuss it. We'll we'll dedicate a segment of that to CSR. I think that's that's fair. It's yeah, I think so too. To... And I mean, it doesn't have to be something that we disagree on. Like if we agree on it, I'll make up the opposite angle and argue it. Like you know, that sounds I'm, like I'm, you. Yeah, I'm fine with doing that. So yeah. So I guess we've uh, we have born CSR debates on the podcast, the CSR debates podcast version. So comment what you'd like us to talk about, and we'll dedicate a segment to it. Up until you know regular football stuff starts, but yeah, when football season starts back, we we have to kind of not do that anymore. Yeah. So feel free to share your opinions. Feel free to share what you want us to talk about, but. John, do you have anything else to add? Anything nope. else you'd like to say? Nope. Brad, anything else you'd like to say or add? No, I think we've covered it. All right. Well, from all of us here at the CSR podcast, like we said, let us know what you want us to talk about, and we certainly will argue about it because we're very good at that. And uh, we will talk to you here in about two weeks. Have a good rest of your week. Have a good weekend. Stay tuned. See you guys sometime later. Yep. Buzzing up with a music holiday. Rip it up with a boom sound we know lag. Got the rhythms of the break killer tracks. Annihilating the shrine that I'm weaving that. Letting them know that I weep up the rock and control the game. I'm on well. Setting the press in the flesh while they're mud driving in and sing. Oh, that's right. Just to drive them underground Can I take the music, kill the 
Hi, I'm Karis Fisher. I want to tell you about another podcast you should check out. It's called Recode Decode. Every week I talk to tech and media's key players about how they're changing our world. I interview tech executives like Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg, political figures like Hillary Clinton, and media personalities like John Kerryu, who literally wrote the book on Theranos. Once again, the name of the show is Recode Decode, hosted by me, Kara Swisher. You can find it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show. See you there.